1: It's Tuesday. That means it's another episode of the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. I'm your host, Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes. Holy crap. It's been like a whirlwind, like week and a half, two weeks. And uh, yeah, we got to talk about this. Once again, going across the pond and uh, getting Tom West on the line. He did a pair of pieces last week. One about the Sixers incredible hiring of Daryl Morey which I mean I had to stop myself from hurting my head from jumping up and down and hitting my head on the ceiling so much and then the others just this insane coaching staff that the Sixers have uh kind of put together right now so I'm gonna welcome Tom in and Tom how you doing?
2: I'm doing good thanks for having me back on
1: uh pleasure is all mine believe me uh because you know you're on you're on greenwich standard time i believe is what it is so like i'm just trying to be as convenient for you as possible
2: oh it's fine it's fine not too (laughs) not too much five hours is a not too bad time difference
1: see you say that but then we had the whole fallback well actually daylight savings is like they they don't do that in in your country no no, so yeah we're right. the we're the only nation that does that nonsense like come on like <laughs> jesus it's like you know daylight savings the metric system like why do we have to do our own things like can't we just do things that okay that i'm getting off on a tangent that's not good <laughs> um so let's start with this daryl moore to the sixers before i even start with the strict line of questioning like how excited were you for that when that happened
2: i was just surprised i think that was my main Initial reaction because I think he's kind of been the dream hire for fans for a while, Um, and it's obviously someone the team has been interested in before. And you know, there was a bit of reporting a while back that you know the Sixers would extend him an offer or you know show their interest uh, once he'd sort of stepped down from the Rockets. But after you know Elton Brown was staying in place and the Sixers made a couple of other hires like Peter Dinwiddie, it kind of felt like Maury wouldn't be a a possibility and you know it sounded like maybe he just wanted to take a break from the nba uh overall and just you know not consider anyone but yeah it's a obviously a massive move uh you know after so much waiting to see what the Sixers would do with their front office they actually made the best hire they could have so yeah it's an amazing turnaround really
1: and given the season that the rockets had last season and everything that went on with you know all the chitter chatter going on from that front office like it wouldn't have surprised me at all if Daryl was like, you know what, I need to take a break. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done for a little bit. I, I need to breathe. There, spend time with the family. Uh, grow this beard out a little bit. Whatever.
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was expecting. I thought, you know, he's earned a break. It would make sense. He doesn't need to rush into another job, but he clearly felt eager to join the Sixers, and you know, it sounded like Elton was pushing for him as well. And yeah, they managed to get it done. So yeah, and a five year deal as well. So there's some real sort of security in place now and yeah it's going to be very interesting to see what his ideas are uh you know short term and long term
1: yeah i'm incredibly excited i am ridiculously excited that we had sam hinkey for as long as we did and now we have the guy that hired sam hinkey to begin with so i'm incredibly excited process two electric boogaloo let's do this um <laughs> So Daryl Moore to the Sixers. Uh, what does this move pretty much do for the front office? Like, is there a legitimacy angle now to the front office that wasn't there before?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the whole collaborative approach has been the problem over the last couple of years, and you know, Elton Brand said as much in his press conference after last season. Um, it just felt like there was any, they were only going to address that to a certain degree with how things were going and how you know slow the changes were. Um, But I think bringing in someone who's obviously, you know, proven to be, you know, one of the best executives in the league to actually lead the team's basketball operations is a huge shift. You know, they've obviously Alex Ruckers out as well now. Um, They've clearly got one leader in Daryl Morey who will lead basketball operations. And that's not really what they had in place um, beforehand. You know, he wouldn't have taken the job if he wasn't assured he'd have that kind of control and that input. So I think there's just a bit more stability. I think there'll be a clearer power structure now. I think Peter Dinwiddie's obviously you know, a good hire as well. He had a really sort of impressive run with the pacers and how much he worked his way up their front office, you know, from starting in ticket sales, um, to got, you know, getting to where he did. And yeah, I just think more he's going to bring sort of his forward thinking, his, you know, obviously he hunts for stars. That's what he, you know, he's famously done and known for. Um, he can make moves around the edges, you know, whether it's picking up draft picks, you know, he's, he's made some good draft selections himself. I just think from, you know, a basketball knowledge standpoint to his, you know, how he uses analytics to his wheeling and dealing, I think he kind of ticks so many boxes. Right that the Sixers didn't really have. And he gives them a sort of clear lead voice, which is something else they didn't have. So I just think he shows up a lot of issues that they've had over the last couple of years.
1: And I want to touch on Peter Dinwiddie, like, real quick. I know that Maury is, like, the big name, but let's not sleep on Peter Dinwiddie here. Like, Peter Dinwiddie, I firmly believe he is going to get his shot as either GM or president of basketball ops. Like, that's coming.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's been considered um, for some positions before. You know, I think he interviewed for the Bucks' GM job. Um, I believe he was a finalist for the Grizzlies a few years back. So, yeah, he's had that kind of interest already from other teams around the league. You know, he's clearly well-respected. And now Um, he gets the chance to
1: work under Maury. So, like, dude, your your resume just got a huge shot in the arm.
2: Yeah, exactly. It would be a good experience for him. I don't know if maybe he thought he'd have a little more say. Maybe right. he did before Maury was hired. Alternatively, I don't know if the Sixers went about this in a super weird way and maybe Maury was sort of influencing these hires behind the scenes. But, you know, before it was revealed that he was actually joining the team, I don't know if he had any say in the Peter Dimwitty hire. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if that could be a possibility, maybe. Um, the Sixers have certainly gone about their sort of front office coaching, restructuring in the sort of backwards way. But um,
1: Yeah, it would not surprise me at all given how... how- ass backwards the Sixers have been doing things over the last like two and a half
2: years yeah if the, if a team's going to do something weird it's going to be the Sixers so yeah right me. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but like yeah like you said it's a good opportunity for Dinwiddie I think him and Maury will be a good team um it sounds like Maury thinks um you know Bran can help him too um Paul Hedrick uh sort of made an interesting note yesterday that you know Brand was pushing, you know, Josh Harris to hire Maury and that Maury thinks Brand can help him. I think it's a good chance for Brand to learn because, you know, he is a he is a popular guy around the league. I know he's, you know, frustrated a lot of Sixers fans, but he is a well-liked guy. Um, he's a smart guy by all accounts. And I think he'll be good sort of tackling things, you know, from the personal standpoint of working with teams and, you know, speaking with players and agents and that kind of thing. So I think it'll be a good opportunity for him to learn as well next to Maury and yeah, hopefully they'll be a good, a good team to, for the Sixers to start turning things around.
1: And I definitely feel like they can learn from each other, Brandon Murray, uh, especially Brand from like you know the the more ex- executive line. Like, yeah. Brand is very popular among like players and agents and stuff like that, but it's not just players and agents. There's other GMs, other executives that you have to talk to on a day on a daily basis, and maybe Brand doesn't have that cachet with that specific group of people. But I definitely feel like Mari will help him in that.
2: Yeah, I definitely think they can sort of, you know, complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, and yeah, Brand can, Brand can learn a bit more. I mean, he's still so inexperienced from a front office standpoint um so he does have a lot of learning to do there's no reason to think he can't get better um absolutely what he does and you know obviously handing over you know basketball operations to maury is is ideal for everyone i think so yeah I i do think the way they've set things up now is is good for all involved
1: we talked about the uh stability a little bit uh when you were talking about alex rucker now as of november 1st which was Sunday that he's, he's not, he's not even there anymore. So that doesn't even matter. So is this 100% Daryl Morris
2: show? Yeah. Yeah. I I think so. Um, It better be. (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) I mean, like I said, I think, I don't think he'd take this job if he didn't think he was, you know, fully in charge and that he was going to be joining this sort of collaborative too many voices involved approach um, that the Sixers have had in the past. Um, so yeah, I do, I do think he's leading the way and, you know, like we've talked about Peter Dinwiddie, I think he's got another good voice there next to him. Um, I feel like brand is going to take this as a chance to maybe, you know, take a bit of a step back maybe from the basketball operations. Um, I don't know, it, we've not really known how much say he's had in trades and that in the past, you know, that's been one of the kind of confusing things about the Sixers front offices, right? It's not been clear exactly how involved and how much power he's had but I think yeah he can sort of let Maury take the lead with that and yeah obviously Alex Ruck has gone I'm not sure it, uh, exactly what's happening with Ned Cohen it sounds like he might be staying but just in an altered role but it, it definitely looks like obviously Maury is going to be in charge so yeah that's that's the way to go and it looks like that's what they're doing.
1: Ned Cohen taking either a limited role or he's just not going to be with the team anymore and like Ned Cohen is a name that's just not liked among Sixers Nation. Like, does it even matter with Maury wearing the crown in the front office? Like, does it even, does it even matter that Ned Cohen's uh, access card to the building still works?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure how much it does now. I think maybe before, let's say they didn't hire Maury Brand maybe had a little bit more, a uh, little bit more saying what was going on, and sort of Peter Dinwiddie was the only sort of big um, basketball ops hire. I think it would make more of a difference if if Cohen was you know staying as involved, but I think now he'll be taking more of a back seat if he does stay with the team, and yeah, it probably doesn't have as much influence as he would have had. So yeah, I definitely think it's a it's a step in the right direction whether he you know stays or does leave at some point this roster that maury is coming into it's
1: weird there's there's a lot of size and like no guards really to speak of and you have doc rivers as the head coach now and how much input how much back and forth should there be between daryl maury and doc rivers in terms of team construction like should daryl kind of listen more to doc as far as what he needs Or do you think Daryl's going to be more like, oh no, this is the team that I want to build. You coach it.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to have those conversations. Um, Doc's run, you know, as president of basketball ops when he was back with the Clippers and he was doing the sort of dual coach executive role didn't work out well. Um, I just don't think that's really something that works out well in general. Um, I, I just don't think you can do both jobs at a good enough level to be able to handle that kind of role. Um, but I do think it's important for Doc to have a say. I don't think Maury's just going to come in and, you know, completely overhaul things and be like, it's my way or the highway. Um, And I also think...
1: Daryl doesn't seem like a bulldozing kind of front office guy.
2: Yeah, like he's built teams to... I mean, he's always built teams to complement his stars and he's changed the styles and the rosters around that. And, you know, how a coach you know, wants to run things is going to be a factor. And I think, I mean, at least I'd like to think for the Sixers that Maury's also probably going to get Simmons and Embiid a little bit more involved in terms of talking about what they need um, moving forward, uh, maybe they've had in the past. Um, I know Brand mentioned that, you know, in the off-season, he wanted to talk with Simmons and Embiid about, you know, what players they thought they needed next to them. And that, he you know, his emphasis was that we're going to build this, you know, build this roster to complement Simmons and Embiid, we're not going to trade either of them. So I think Maury, you know, may, you know, get Simmons and Embiid a little bit more involved in those talks as well about who they think they need next to them. And yeah, with Maury sort of, you know, overseeing things, I think, yeah, there should be a good amount of sort of input involved, you know, before he makes any sort of trade calls and that sort of thing.
1: See, that's good. The Sixers have these two all-stars and Joel and Embiid and Ben Simmons. And... Yeah, they know they're on the court. They know what they need. Like, we need shooters, we need slashers, we need this, that, and the other thing. Like, why shouldn't they have some kind of a voice?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not just about keeping your stars happy. It's, you know, if you want them to be the faces of the franchise, you know, keep them involved. And yeah, like, it's not hard for them to know what they need. Like, everyone knows yeah. what the Sixers need, <laughs> they need shooters, they need ball handlers. Like, Ben and Joel know that, you know, ask them. You know.
1: I need like, somebody where if I'm driving and kicking in if I'm driving the lane and I need to kick out for three and somebody standing there butt naked wide open, I need to know that they might actually hit the
2: damn thing. It might actually be useful for a change. Yeah. <laughs> it might be and useful. <laughs> and you know, I'm sure Joe probably would be happier right now if you know the Sixers had kept Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick. You know, they were two players he loved playing with i think it's safe to say that the team would have been much better off if they had those creators and shooters on board so yeah i think maury can you know listen to them as well as doc and ideally they'll work it all out
1: a name that was brought up pretty much as soon as
2: this offseason
1: started and still kind of like the the fire for this has kind of died a little bit but chris paul now every report that i've been reading suggests that The Russell Westbrook trade was definitely not Maury's idea. Probably wouldn't have been my idea either because, you know, Russell Westbrook is the polar opposite of what the Rockets needed. Um, With Maury now in place, is a Chris Paul trade more likely?
2: Yeah, I mean, Sean Kennedy sort of looked at that in a piece for us um, at Liberty Ballers uh, this week. I think it's, yeah, it's tricky to know, Exactly what will be involved, but I think it's definitely. I'd like to think that maybe there is slightly more chance. I'd probably lean that way now, just given the history of you know that Daryl's had with Chris Paul, obviously acquiring him once before in Houston, and obviously Chris's history with Doc Rivers. Um, it sounds like Doc and Chris have sort of mended their relationship after some of the issues they had. In LA. Um, Thank God. (laughs) It's Yeah. It sounds like, you know, they've sort of ironed out their problems and, you know, they've golfed (laughs) a lot together and that sort of thing. So I think they're on a much better ground if that is the case. Um, and Chris would be open to playing for him again. I think, I think that's definitely something Daryl would consider. Um, I mean, you'd think so. I think Chris Paul is kind of a pretty ideal target for them just with the skill set he has. Um, I mean, it's obviously an amazing playmaker, he's a good shooter, he provided a bit of extra pull up shooting, which is something they really need. Some extra creation off the dribble. He kind of he ticks so many boxes for what they were missing last season. So I'd I'd lean towards yeah, maybe it's slightly more likely now that Daryl is on board
1: you know what i will never underestimate the healing power of golf ever again <laughs> never it's like i feel like i feel like golf could solve so many problems in this world right now if everybody that had a problem with each other is just like hey let's just hit the links for 18 holes and then let's just see where we are after that <laughs>
2: i've most never he- been a golf fan but it sounds like that's the case
1: <laughs> the most healing sport in all of planet earth um <laughs> You touched on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and how Maury is not trading either of them whatsoever. Um, so do you now get the sense that Simmons is untouchable as opposed to maybe like a, a month or a month and a half ago where it was like, yeah, I kind of talked myself into a Ben Simmons trade for this person or that person.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I've always been on the side that I didn't think they would be trading either of them this off season. Um, I felt that way, you know, just after the season and I, I still feel that way with Darren Morey now. Like, cause like I said, you know, he's always wanted stars and he's got two mm-hmm. great young players. Um, like, you know, Sam Hinkie joked on his recent, uh, podcast yeah. appearance <laughs> that like, do the guys, do people not know how hard it is to get a player like Joel Embiid in the first place? Like you don't just trade them casually and think, Oh, this team has some issues. Let's trade one of our two best players. Um, I feel like that's exactly what Maury's going to be thinking as well. Like, he has two great young players. He doesn't need to rush into a trade. Like, Brand is right that, you know, the issue is how you complement those two, not breaking them up. Um, I'd be very surprised if Maury looked to trade either of them, you know, this off season or next season. You know, maybe down the line in the future, you know, who knows what could happen. Maybe something will change. But I think right now, he'll keep them both together. And yeah, I think the focus will be more on. You know, what does he do with Tobias Harris or Al Horford and like the moves he makes around the edges, whether he's, you know, dealing some draft picks, what, you know, he does to sort of strengthen the bench and that kind of thing. And if he can add another ball handler next to them.
1: I will say this, there are maybe a handful of general managers that I trust in all of the NBA right now of all the GMs. I think Daryl Morey is probably at the top of the list of GMs that I would say, hey, can you maximize the trade value of Ben Simmons? I don't think, I don't think there's one GM I would trust more to make that happen.
2: Yeah. No, um, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I think if you, if you think you can get some Godfather package for Ben Simmons and, you know, you're not sacrificing long-term security in terms of, you know, you've, you've traded him for a really good player, but then you left on their deal or something like that. um, I think, one of the good things with Moore is that he's going to be looking really far ahead. You know, he's going to be planning a few moves ahead. He's not just going to be rushing to make a trade. You know, he's not going to go out and overpay for a Tobias Harris because he thinks that's a good player and it's going to help them right <laughs> then. You know what I mean? Like that—that that is the change that the Sixers have made by bringing him in. So, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's interesting to think what he could get for Ben Simmons. I just think, at least for now in this season, he'll be he'll be looking to keep them both.
1: Yeah, I, I think Daryl wants at least one year to see like up close and personal what Embiid and Simmons are. Because I I don't, I mean, I'm sure he like watches on television and sees highlights and stuff like that. But it's very different seeing them do all the moving parts and stuff on the floor. Like it's 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 just totally different.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's not like he's taking this team thinking, okay, this is the title winning team I want. I'm good to go. Like he's going to have changes in mind, but yeah, he's got two really good young players. And, you know, there's been, there were some people on Twitter saying, you know, Daryl Morey loves his team shooting tons of threes. Ben Simmons doesn't shoot any. It's a weird fit, but Ben creates more of those shots for his teammates than anyone else. In the league, and you know, it's interesting to think. Yeah, people on Twitter,
1: there's, yeah, yeah, people on Twitter, there are these things called assists, and Ben Simmons (laughs) is very good at tabulating assists. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I I don't, I'll never understand that. Um,
0: vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is
1: Elton Brand was given an extension, and you know some people did the the eyebrow raise where it's like, oh, that that's interesting. And I was, I'm in full support of it. But like, did it feel kind of like a good faith move to just give him the extension and just say, okay, your job is secure, you're fine.
2: Yeah, I think it. You know, it could be a bit of that. I think, like you said, I'm. I'm I agree. I'm. I, I think it's a fine move. You know, he's obviously not the most popular figure with you know plenty of Sixers fans, but I think he is you know, a well-respected guy in the league. I think, like we talked about, I think he and Maury can kind of work together and they sort of complement each other in, with where their sort of strengths are. Um, and he can continue to grow. I think if you're putting him in a position where he can learn and he's not responsible for leading basketball operations and maybe making some moves he shouldn't or overpaying for things, whether it's a trade, whether it's, you know, whatever... Um, I think he's in a better position now where they can probably feel confident that, you know, we've got Maury here. That's the kind of guy we want in charge. Brand can be a complimentary guy. We like him. We think he's a good person to have around. He can continue to learn and improve. I think giving him an extension when you view it like that, now that Maury's here, makes perfect sense, really.
1: And I feel like the relationship between Elton and Daryl, like we were saying before, is going to be so much better because, like we were saying, Daryl doesn't seem like the bulldozing type of basketball ops guy i i think elton's suggestions will i don't think they'll get as lost as they have been with you know brett brown and cohen and rucker and josh harris and all like that like there's one guy there's daryl maury he's trusted suggesting to daryl and if daryl thinks it's a good idea then i'm sure he would at least consider it
2: yeah exactly and i think yeah, if Brand did push for Maury, then he's obviously happy with this arrangement. He's happy with how things are gonna be. And if he if he's fine with that and he's taken his extension, I think he's clearly willing to take that sort of standing in the organization. And I think I think that's best. So yeah, if he can be more of a complimentary guy and just continue to learn, you know, with Maury in charge, then I think that suits the Sixers pretty well.
1: And what does that say about Elton, where Elton was like, okay, I am really green when it comes to this general managing president basketball ops thing. Um, hey, he calls Josh on the phone. Hey Josh, um, do you think we could really try to swing and get Daryl? Like that, I have mad respect for Elton Brand for doing that.
2: Yeah. I think if he, if he is self-aware enough to realize that he, he can learn and, you know, he has some improvements to make and that, Adding someone like Daryl Morey will be a great move for the Sixers, and it's going to, you know, really help the franchise. Rather than just thinking like, no, let me lead the way. I, that's yeah, that's a really quality to have.
1: This coaching staff. Holy God! This coaching staff. <laughs> Jesus, Doc Rivers, Sam Cassell, Dave Yeager, Dominguez. Is this a top five coaching staff in the league? I think it is.
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about that. I think it's it's tough to evaluate coaching in in some areas and I think it's it's difficult to know exactly what assistant coaches bring to the table you know at least if they're not from the team that you cover and follow and you you know maybe don't have as much insights to what they're doing behind the scenes but I definitely feel like the Sixers are probably right up there like you said um they've got a lot of yeah it's it's really impressive the highs they've made I think Doc himself is a good coach he's not and I think you know we talked about at the time I don't think he was the ideal head coach for the Sixers, I think Ty Lue would have been my choice. I just think, right, from a sort of tactical and adjustments, you know, in game and game to game standpoint, I don't think Doc is like a you know amazing coach or someone who's going to sort of revolutionise the Sixers in that way. But he's a good coach, and I think the assistants they've got with him are really are, are really going to help. Like I think you know Dave Yeager's got some interesting. Experience, You know, with Memphis and Sacramento, like he's, he's changed his pacing a little bit. You know, he ramped up pace in Sacramento and that's something that Doc Rivers says he wants to increase with the Sixers. You know, and, you know, Dave Yeager's obviously got, you know, he's known for his, his defensive mind as well. And I think that's also something that Dan Burke brings to the table. Like, you know, I've been reading up a bit about him since the Sixers hired him. And he, yeah, it sounds like for his defense in particular, he's a really great hire. Um, you know, he's someone that sounds like he's got a bit of a sort of joking personality, but he's really <laughs> serious um, when it comes down to it. Like he takes things very seriously. He'll get on guys. You know, he doesn't take any crap and he will he will push guys to, you know, improve and lock in and do everything they need to do to, you know, maximize what they can bring defensively. You know, guys like Bojan Bogdanovic and TJ Warren improve with the paces. And I think, you know, Dan Burke probably deserves some credit for that. Like I was reading a profile on him. Um, in the athletic and the way guys like Thaddeus Young and Miles Turner credit Burke for you know his approach and how he you know he gets on people and how you know locked in he is and the sort of ideas he has defensively and how he pushes people um, and he can challenge you know star players or the guy at the end of the bench in an equal manner. Um, you know when you read stuff like that, it, that's the sort of thing that the Sixers need if they want to you know really get the most from their guys, you know, effort was a bit of an issue this year. Like we all know about how bad they were on the road, Um, you know, with the defense slipping and, you know, Joel Embiid wasn't always as consistent under the floor as he could have been. So I think, you know, you look at someone like Dan Burke, I think he can probably help in some of those areas. And if, you know, those are just the coaches you've got to compliment Doc, obviously, you know, Sam Cassell as well was a good hire. Um, It sounds like he could be a good sort of developmental guy, maybe, you know, or just someone to sort of work with, with guards, maybe work with Ben Simmons, um, you know, John Wall credited Cassell for, you know, playing a, a big part of his development in Washington, um, you know, as a point guard and as a jump shooter. So I think when you look at all their sort of different strengths to complement Doc, yes, it's a really impressive coaching staff.
1: I think that's the angle of the coaching staff I'm most excited for, because I don't get me wrong. I've, I love Monty Williams. He was a, he was a nice uh, guard based Uh, assistant head coach but Ben Simmons learning from Sam Cassell like uh, somebody of his caliber and then maybe they do the Chris Paul trade that is a ridiculous amount of point guarding experience to learn from
2: yeah yeah if they could bring in Chris Paul as well I mean yeah it's hard to Get that much more of an upgrade from year to year. <laughs> to that is with, insane
1: you know, to think about. And stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Between this coaching staff and the Brett Brown coaching staff, what's going to be some of the differences between the two staffs? Is is it, does it just boil down to you know this particular staff having more experience with a contending team, like for example Rivers with the Celtics and the Clippers?
2: Yeah I think that's some of it I think experience um, and I think some you know a couple of the things I mentioned like you know Sam Cassell you know having such a long and successful career you know as a guard with his you know playmaking you know his sort of quite a diverse scoring skill set I think something like that is really interesting to bring on board um, and like I think Dan Burke in particular and it really sounds like someone who can sort of you know like I said push the team's effort get a bit more from guys and sort of bring that sort of tough approach maybe um as well as just a sort of great defensive mind that maybe they didn't have quite in the same way or you know um they could at least benefit from you know a fresh voice like that um joining the team so yeah i think a mixture of skill sets and experience i think will be really really beneficial
1: i do feel like the dan burke hire is going to revitalize the defense to where it was uh maybe two seasons ago where it was the, the Sixers were top 10 in defense that year. And I think that's going to go... I think that's going go, to be exponential for this team's uh, ceiling as far as how far they can go.
2: Yeah, because I think it's not even that... I mean, they clearly have the pieces to be an elite defense. They definitely team. do. Yeah. And I th- you know, so many people thought that would be the case before the season. You know, I thought they could be the best defense in the league. Obviously, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, for, you know, various reasons. But as simple as it is, like, effort was a pretty big part of that. Obviously, there's some schematic things I think they should change up. Like, um, I'm not saying they're going to completely go away from using drop coverage. I think that's something Dan Burke quite likes. But making some tweaks, you know, with how they use that, obviously, you know, in the playoffs, that really hurt them against the Celtics when they just kept dropping. And, you know, like Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum were just getting all these open pull-up threes and getting so many good looks out of it i think if they can you know mix up their scheme a little bit you know that helps but i think effort was just a pretty big problem you know at least on the road which sounds really simple but that definitely was the case you know in quite a few games they just didn't really bring it you know outside of ben simmons you know plenty of guys didn't really sort of have the maximum effort that they needed all of the time so even if they can just get guys to really lock in and buy in in a new way, you know, fresh voices can help with that as well as you know the coaches you actually have. That could that could help them sort of make a bit of an improvement there.
1: And the the home away splits for record, you know, that speaks directly to your point about just the effort not being their own defense on the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it's, it's a a big drop. I mean, I can't remember exactly how much the defense dropped off, but it goes from yeah one of the top few in the league to I think it's more like average it's um, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty oh, big I- drop just for changing where you're playing. so if they can even just get that turned around that would that would be helpful
1: And the way this team was built, like I thought it was going to be you know the old San Antonio Spurs defenses. you know the Sixers would win a lot of like 87 84 games. They would be ugly as hell, but you know what an ugly win is still a win in the win column and it just it just did not happen.
2: No, I think that's what everyone was waiting for. And you, and you thought that even if the offence is bad, which is, you know, what plenty of people expected, you know, even if they thought things weren't going to be as bad as they were, you could at least bank on elite defence night to night that would, you know, at least give the team something to sort of carry them, you know, even if the offence is struggling. And it was good. I think, And I think they finished eighth, was it, in the regular season? But it's not good enough if the offence is bad. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of changes they can make there.
1: This staff is going to have a little bit of a challenge because of the, uh, the the pandemic and the bubble and bubble ended. But now the NBA is looking to return in December. Last date I heard was the 22nd, which come on, come on, guys, just push it to January, it's fine. Um, but with this short, off season slash training period like there are so many things that probably need to be done you know getting in beat in shape, working on Simmons' shooting again, maybe getting to the rim, and just the general basketball camaraderie and stuff like that like what what'll probably okay i'll I'll do this two part what should be the focus, and what would be the best thing to focus on
2: yeah, I think. I mean, it's a bit of a copper answer, but I think you kind of need to work on, ideally work on everything, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we really want things to improve. But I think the most beneficial thing would be for Embiid to be in amazing shape, engaged every night yeah. and sort of at a maximum level defensively. If he can make that kind of improvement where his conditioning really is finally sort of where it needs for him to be, a hundred percent or you know as close to it as he can be through a regular season on a nightly basis then that would make the biggest difference i think um you know his the team's most impactful player by a pretty clear margin and if you're maxing him out you know more consistently um then that would be huge
1: and nobody's asking mb to drop like 50 pounds like Jokic. but you know can (laughs) can you get under 300 big man like come on (laughs) That's all we're asking. Can you get down to 290? Like, that would help so much.
2: Yeah, I don't think it even... Yeah, like you said, it doesn't need to be some huge shift. Um, And I think a bit of what played into his regular season play was that I think he was probably saving himself a bit for the playoffs. I I do think he was bringing on a more conservative approach. Like, he was obviously so gutted about how things ended against Toronto in the playoffs. That's possible. I, I do... I do feel like he was taking a bit more of a long approach that maybe he wasn't earlier in his career when he was kind of just flying around everywhere, chasing more blocks. Like he's talked about how he's learned now that, you know, obviously block shots are great, but you can have a massive impact on defense by just preventing shots. And he does that incredibly well. Like he, he prevented so many shots um, in the paint this season and at the rim uh, without, you know, necessarily, you know, flying up in the air for loads of block shots. So he knows how he can sort of control his his defense and not tap into his athleticism like when he needs it. But if he can, yeah, just sort of keep the effort a little higher, you know, improve his conditioning a bit, then it would really be a big help.
1: Yeah, I I have no problem if you go all kinds of hard against the milwaukee bucks like on a zero on a zero to ten scale you can go you can go to you can turn that dial up to 11 against the milwaukee bucks but still i need you to bring it to at least like a five or a six against you know like the charlotte hornets or something i still need that
2: (laughs) yeah i think that's all you need to ask for because i mean like when he turns it on you know like you mentioned the bucks like he was amazing against you know, the Bucks and Yannis on Christmas Day yeah. last season. His defense was amazing that game. Um, he was brilliant at protecting the rim. Like when he switches it on, he's such a dominant defender. And, you know, no one's questioning his, his fitness on nights like that. But yeah, if he can just bring it a bit more consistently, you know, hopefully switch on a bit more, better conditioning would help with that. Then yeah, that will be really interesting to monitor.
1: It's like, yes, yeah, I, I know you get bored playing the dregs of the NBA. Everybody does. But you know what? Like A, a little more effort. Just a little more. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely fair enough. I, I do think there is something to be said about maybe the general camaraderie. Because, you know, this last season was such a letdown. And, you know, you feel bad about the way that season ended. And I I think they should just... I'm reminded of that scene in Wildcats. And this is a deep cut because, you know, I'm a movie nerd. Um, there was a scene where she's got everybody in the locker room and she just takes the schedule from last season and just lights it on fire and just says, listen, that that season's over. That's done. You're a different team now. Let's roll.
2: Yeah, I think that's the, uh, that's the mindset that they can have. And, you know, all fans are going to want them to have like, The coaching staff is completely different. The front office is completely different. If they can just start addressing some of the roster issues, if they can, you know, I think if they can move on from our Horford, at least that would be, you know, really valuable. If they can just add another ball handler, playmaker, you know, perimeter creator to go with Ben Simmons and Embiid, that would be massive. And then they can just, you know, forget about last season's experiment. It failed. They can move on. (laughs) (laughs) They've made a lot of changes already. If they can just... You know shore up some of the stuff with the roster not saying it's going to be perfect but if they can at least make some improvements to improve the fit with Simmons and Embiid it would make a massive difference.
1: let the Joel Embiid revenge tour commence.
2: (laughs) we'll see maybe he'll make an MVP run who knows.
1: (laughs) oh my god don't get my hopes up. (laughs) Uh, Tom West associate editor Liberty Ballers. Uh, thanks for joining me on the pod. Uh, how are things over there in England? if I read the news correctly you guys are getting ready to do a whole month of shutdown?
2: yeah we're just about to go into our second national lockdown Uh Um, yeah there have been sort of localized lockdowns by regions um, over the last few months on like a three-tier system Um, so tier three is kind of like close to lockdown but And, you know, those have been increasing around the country. And now, yeah, as of Thursday, this coming Thursday, we'll be going into, yeah, another month of foreign national lockdown. So, uh, yeah, it's not going great here at the moment with COVID, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm hoping that that at least gets the cases back under control. Our government makes some positive changes and we can start getting on the right track by the end of the year. But we'll see how it plays out.
1: I love he- I love talking to you specifically because you're on the you're 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 in a different country, and it's it's, yeah, I don't want to say funny, but kind of is. It's funny to listen to how other governments are handling things, and then looking at how my government is handling things. I'm just like, what the hell are you idiots doing? What? You guys ruined just my so about, you, yeah. you guys ruined my fortieth birthday. I was gonna go to Vegas and just while out with all my friends in Philly and California. But I can't do that because, you know, you guys are idiots.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot of that this year, hasn't there? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And I just think, yeah, one of our biggest issues with our government has just been like the sort of hesitancy to just make Decisions with how to deal with this. Like, we took too long to go into our first lockdown and that let the virus spread. Like, we didn't make quick enough, hard decisions to lock down before the spread got a bit worse. And we've kind of pushed it back this year. You know, Boris Johnson has kept saying we didn't want to do another national lockdown. We don't want to do that. We're just going to go with this localized approach. And here we are. It's fired (laughs) out of control. The cases are (laughs) way up. And now we're going into another national lockdown, which I think so many people thought was going to be inevitable and yeah, here we are. So hopefully this one does some good and they start, you know, fixing up some stuff. And by the end of the year we've at least got things under control again and then we'll, we'll go from there.
1: And I I guess I'll just end it with this because this podcast is released on Tuesday and I'm sure Thomas will agree with me when I say this, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, November 3rd, Vote for the love of God, please vote. I'm serious. I am as serious as a heart attack. Get out vote. you can listen to this podcast and other podcasts on the Liberty balls network while you're standing in line waiting to vote. but please don't sit out vote please oh my God
2: yeah, please please vote. I'm yeah I'm in the UK obviously but yeah encourage everyone to vote if i was there i'd like to be playing my part in it but yeah everyone please vote
1: (laughs) if you if you're listening to this podcast and you have questions tweet me i will find your answers that you need just if you have voted questions just tweet me or any one of us at liberty ballers we will help you it's okay
2: exactly (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh well that that was a pleasant place to end it so uh tom west thank you once again for coming on the podcast looking forward to having you on a third time
2: of course yeah anytime i appreciate you having me back on
1: stay safe stay healthy uh my best to the fam
2: yeah you too man take care
1: all right